The Outer Sanctum is recorded on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respect to their elders past and present. Sanctum's fifth quarter. My name is Emma Race and today in this grand final week I am delighted to be able to speak to a son of the West and an early adopter of the term AFLM. I welcome Bob Murphy to the Outer Sanctum. How are you Bob? Hello Em, how are you? Nice to be with you. Well it's very nice to be with you. You've got a bit going on at the moment. Your Bulldogs (laughs) are in a grand final and the family has packed up the house. You're leaving this weekend to move to WA for your new job with Frio. How's your heart feeling? Um, it's, it's racing fast, but it's racing forward. So that's good. Forward momentum is a good thing, Em, but it's a, it's all happening and, you know, throw in the pandemic and an earthquake and some riots and, you know, you got yourself a burger with the lot. So, you know. I don't know why you're leaving Victoria. <laughs> Do you know what? This, I don't know, this might speak to, um, a bit of my, uh, neuroses, but I, we're, we're at a pretty low ebb in, at Melbourne at the moment and it, I kind of feel like I'm jumping out of the ship and it doesn't sit well with me. Mm. Like I, We're going for some, you know, very pure, good, positive reasons and a family adventure, but I don't like going when things are, things are sort of not so great for our, um, for our fair city. So it's sort of it's, it's added a layer of heaviness to the heart that's already kind of got a bit of a weight on it. I think that's because you are a global citizen and a natural ship's captain. (laughs) Not a a maniac. There's a few around. Yeah, it's a tough times. Given the circumstances and your very romantic footy heart and the fact that Mm -hmm. you're about to don the purple polo shirt, where does this weekend sit with you? Is it a line in the sand for you? You, Um, The breakup will happen on Sunday and then from then on you're all purple? It is a little bit like that. I I think I, I said when I was playing, I think it was around the time when I just before I wearing I injured myself or whatever and I remember saying that you know my job as the as the oldest bulldog was to help turn the ship around and once it was turned around then it's time to let it go and even when I said it I didn't mean it it's like no 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 if it turns around and we start winning I'm gonna hang in <laughs> like you know there's a bit of greed there like any athlete it's like no I want to be a part of that but there's something about this year for me it's been the first time in about 20 years that it's been a bit like oh I feel a bit like it's letting go a bit Mm. for the first time which has kind of been a curious sort of feeling Mm. um it's been such a big part of my life and you know I'm still the bulldogs is in me and it's like in your marrow kind of thing that's what it that's what it sort of feels like but in a very kind of peaceful kind of way it's like this team is not my team anymore Mm. in the way it used to be they're still my club in a sense and I'm part of that clan and all that my scarf will be out the window on Saturday but it's a bit it's a step removed and that's okay and that's okay it does feel like a kind of natural sort of next step if that's not sort of overreaching a bit if you're not no I had wondered because the 2016 premiership was obviously a huge story moment and the drought breaker And the heartbreaking role that fate handed you on that day has been very Mm. well documented and we won't go over that today. But I wondered if there was a catharsis for you that once this happens this weekend, the 2016 story becomes 
an older chapter. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a really I think that's a really um, insightful way of you've kind of been able to clear up some of my muddled thoughts actually, just in that nifty little paragraph there. But it is I I I, I think that <laughs> I think Look, without going too far into it, but I think what happened in 2016 in a club sense was the club's identity changed and I described it like the premiership that year, a premiership for the Bulldogs is like landing on the moon. And so essentially once you get there, it's like what now? It's, it was a really difficult, it wasn't a premiership hangover. It's what, who are we? What do we do now? Because we were astronauts. You know, if the premiership's on the moon, you've got to go to your astronauts. Whereas I think what gives me most, pride around this season and this team is that we're now mountain climbers like Hawthorne and Geelong and those clubs that no you 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 put your flag in the mountain and then you look for the next mountain that's a so I think the Bulldogs making the grand final this year is as important almost as winning it which of course you want to win it and you know they'll fight like hungry dogs to win it but I think it's a really important step in the identity of the club of it not being too far along and they've made another grand final I think that's that's a good way to that's um that's a healthy step forward yeah it's a validation right yeah it's validation it is. yeah it's like this club's and... the identity has changed and this we're not astronauts anymore mm. we we're, we're built, you know, building a foundation that it's year on year, you're a chance, you're a chance. You just got to give yourself a chance, which that wasn't the Bulldogs for a long, long time. And they're up against Melbourne who are astronauts. They are, yeah, well, that's the thing. That's the, that, they are astronauts. And I don't know how you feel about them. I mean, you've got some football romance in you as well, but I think a lot of people are struggling this week with there's no villain. Who's the villain? Coronavirus? For all of you, yeah. It kind of is a bit like that. It's like as, as much as, um, you know, we walk on the sunny side of the street or, you know, on the outer sanctum and, and certainly over in my neck of the woods, but sometimes, you know, sometimes you want to push back against something and who can, you know, sometimes that sort of um, the dark arts kind of fuels kind of fuels a fair bit of footy, but there's not really. The D's with their, their drought break and the, and the dogs, you know, being everyone's famously everyone's second team for a long time, it's, it's a kind of curious, curious sort of grand final. Maybe you get the grand finals you need when you need them. Oh, We're all a bit depleted. We thought maybe that's right. Yeah, maybe that's You're it. on fire today. <laughs> so thinking forward to your Frio journey now, what's that role going to be and will you be involved in the AFLW program there? Yeah, I'm um, really excited about it and, you know, the magnetic pull of football clubs and that's my sort of natural habitat. I think so. I can't wait to be there and, and part of a part of a you know a gang again, a football gang. And I'm over the moon to be involved with the AFLW, which will take up a big part of that. Because you know, as you know, I've had a couple of years involved with the the Bulldogs AFLW, and that for me was like soul food. I, I love the I love the competitiveness of of women's footy. I love the balance of it. I love how people involved have very much adopted the pioneering spirit and that it is there's a game but there's this greater cause and what it means for you and what it means for our daughters and the opportunity and the balance of the game and that is very Mm. much a thing of pride and the responsibility is felt by just about everyone involved in it but at the same time I love that it's balanced out by once the game starts I will rip you apart to win (laughs) And I love the partnership of that, that it's not just this whole, hey, we're this big community of, you know, it's great and and equal rights and opportunity and and all equality and all these wonderful things and then we'll go and play a game. It's like, no, 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 there's that, 
there's, yeah, this is a bigger cause. And then once the game starts, our colours are different to yours and we're going to rip you apart and try and win the four points. And I love that. I absolutely love it. And I think they've got the, without sort of upsetting the AFLM community too much, there I said it, I said it, M, 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 M. I just think that the women's game have got better stories to tell. The more professional sport gets, the better the athletes become, the more boring the stories are. And so I, in, a, in a way, like I, as much as I want the, the women players to be able to be professional and, and earn money so they can dedicate all their time, I'm, I do want that. Like I'm 100% behind that. But I also think, oh, let's, let's enjoy right now as well because the stories are so good and I don't want them to become... Yeah, I don't want that. No, I don't don't want that either. We've got to protect that, you know. There's a lot being said about the fact that there's two female presidents of the two clubs going into the grand final. Mm. And you would have known Kylie Watson-Wheeler from your time at the Bulldogs. And also you would have seen Debbie Lee up close and personal doing what she does. How have you seen the unique ways that they have influenced the culture or the club or the way the footy department gets run? When women are in a football club, it, it affects the ether. So it affects process and certain nuances to it, but it just affects the moods of the room. And a practical way of this, and it's, I don't know if it's, um, if it articulates it well enough, but it makes the blokes behave a bit better. It brings out a better version of the blokes. If it's, if we're just in a room with too many of us, it doesn't bring out the best in us necessarily. So Kylie, I've known for a long time and she's, she's all in, you know, like she's a, she's a, she was a bulldogs gal. She gets the fabric of the club and the essence of that and she brings her own touch to it so she's only been in the top job a little while but she's been such a presence at our football club for such a long time and there's been strong female personalities at our club for a long time and Sue Alberti is one of those and Debbie Lee I'm not sure if I've ever told her but how can you not be proud of someone like that and I don't even know if pride is the right way to describe it but I think it, you'd want to have your sea legs, I think, if you were someone like Debbie Lee who's been involved in women's footy because that community, and I'm not speaking on behalf of them, just my observation, was marginalised and maligned for such a long time and then all of a sudden it gets ushered in almost, like, almost quickly into the bright lights of the AFL and then it is like this uplift of being lauded and celebrated but the sharp degree of, ter- of of the elevation must have just like almost made them nauseous. And then, of course, the uplift and then it's like, oh, yeah, but then, then the criticism comes. So it's like what? the discombobulation of all of that and Debbie Lee is probably a central figure in all of that the whole way and she's such a strong, proud, caring and just tough and really tough. Not in a not in a beat your chest and tell the world how tough you are, but in a resilient, quiet, keep an equilibrium when uh, the rest of the world is sort of spinning up and down and sideways. Um, it's a it's been a privilege for me to get to know her and be side by side for a couple of years and it's hard to sort of say goodbye to people like that. When we talk about the culture of women's football, there's opportunity there to set the culture and not emulate what's been happening in the men's game. Mm. And I think back to when you wore Adam Good's number at the toss of the coin in 2015 to to offer support during yeah. that heinous time. And I think about now education through, you know, so many global movements of 
Black Lives Matter and Black Deaths in Custody here yeah. and, and the recent information that's come to light about Tom Wills. I think we're well, we're, we're so much more well-educated on all mm. of these topics. So what do we do with that? You could retrospectively go back to that moment. You're wearing the jumper with his number on it. That's a big moment. That was a round of big moments. But mm. is there more that you would will yourself to have done at that time? Or what would you say to AFLW players who can set the culture of mm. their competition with standing up to moments like that? Yeah, well, I think what's a little important sort of side note to that is wearing Adam's number and the Indigenous Bulldogs for the Tots, it was born out of guilt, Em. It was it was not being tuned in with really what was happening at that time so much. And I watched, but then I, you know, I was sort of aware that there was some booing, but I wasn't watching that much. But I wasn't absorbing morning TV shows and all of that stuff. Um, but Brett Goods is a teammate of ours, so we saw the hurt up close of a family member. And then I watched a game, I think, in Perth, and Adam was was booed in such an abhorrent way that I was like, "Oh my, I've missed this thing. I've I've completely been uh, blinded by this by you know by the hyper focus of my own little world." And then it was Jordan Rufford who said, "You know what? We should you should wear that jumper." I was like, "That's it." Like sometimes the symbolism is so much more powerful and can you know can can say more so so there there's there's that but I think with the 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 AFLW is they do have this voice and 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 I think they understand the power of their symbolism um but the the thing I would sort of encourage is don't don't worry about being perfect and you might get it wrong but if you if you feel like you feel that urge to act, and that's the that's the art of leadership, isn't it? Of when to when to step forward and when to when to sort of pause. I think I think these young women have got have got the right feel for it and to back themselves. I mean, the pride round is something that shift culture definitely in in this city. I suspect around I suspect around the country. So it's tracking well. But I would just I would just want them to be bold to back themselves because they've got so many. They've got good people in their corner here to back themselves. I'm Ali Blackburn and you're listening to The Outer Sanctum. Over the last couple of years, you've been doing Drive on radio, SEN. I was just using Andy to get to you. So my my evil plan has bore fruit today. (laughs) So for people who are listening who don't know, Bob does a Drive radio show in Melbourne and his co-host is my husband, Andy. I'm, I'm interested to know you have a lot of talk back and you ride those SMSs. I know you have to read them. What have you learned about the outer from talk back? Um, the station is predominantly you know, geared towards males 25 to 55. And, of course, there's a whole mix of views and a lot of those are different to mine. Some key words will fire them up. Adam Goods is one of those. If the topic of Adam comes up, you just have to know that the rest of the show will be taken up by that, by the most passionate arguments on both sides. So there's there's that, which is that they are the days when you finish work and feel absolutely exhausted where it's, although there's, there's a lot that get it and understand it and there's compassion, there's a lot that aren't. More than I would have ever thought to be honest, which is which is pretty hard those days. Don't mention the word vaccine. You mention the word vaccine and it's like waking up the zombies. But it is, for someone like me, it actually has been a blessing because in I suppose in lots of ways I might be a, a cliched 
Northcote lefty that hangs out with other cliched Northcote lefties. And that, that, which is weirdly a cliche in itself. So I'm a cliche wrapped in a cliche. And so it's kind of good to, no, 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 this is a battlefield. It's a battlefield. And I, the first day at work when I, it was my job to monitor the text machine, I was, the skin wasn't quite thick enough. I probably needed that. It's been good. So you, 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 every day you turn it on and, you, and some days it's, you know, it's very light and frivolous and other days you put the war paint on and, okay, let's, mm-hmm. let's, go, into, let's go into battle and, and thrash it out. Um, and hope every now and then I think you, you might be able to bring someone back the other way. Most of the time you just sort of punch on with a few people and, and then, you know, dust yourself off and go again the next day. But it's been, it's been ni- nice to ride shotgun with, with your fella Andy because... We don't always agree on everything, but on the on matters of the heart, whether that be the football heart or the the heart of humanity, we sing from the same hymn book, and and that's been that's been nice. Well, it's been noticeable because the one thing I really love about you, Bob, is that you don't see the world through a narrow footy shaped keyhole. You always see and look globally. I think your priority is always human connection followed very closely by so. silliness and fun. Yeah. <laughs> and you very rarely, as an, a former AFLM player, you you very rarely choose to bring things back to footy or back to your career, which is in the media very, very, very rare. But mm-hmm. the combination of you and Andy has really reversed in some ways the trope of the uber-masculine exclusive men's footy chat and you've been a very good influence on him but also on the audience so even though I know that the SMS can be really really taxing have you noticed a cultural shift especially when you say talking about women's football or when you know when you talk about Daisy Pierce or when when you have a female guest I think so and and I think part, part part of it this is the example I'll give you when I'm around the past, the football establishment, who are very much, they're big and macho and they're, you know, they're, they're that, you know, they're the cartoon character of the ex-footballer. A lot of them. A lot of them aren't, but a lot of them are. It, so, it makes me sort of turn into a very camp Tim Rogers, like, I, like to the point where sometimes I'm like, what if, I'm not. My reaction to that is, well, instead of, you know, trying to be like, you know, I kind of find myself going the other way, which I don't necessarily think is a positive either. It's like, geez, I've turned into a peacock here and all of a sudden very camp and sort of playing up to that a little bit. But but I, the, the thing I've noticed, and this is only my impression, it could be it could be wrong. It's only through my lens, but I feel like there's a there's a bit of a gap now with the football establishment, the football media, the ex-champions and how football clubs are actually, how they are internally these days. I almost think there's, when I played in the, in, and in the years before that, the current players were desperate for the approval of the past players and really needed their affirmation and were chasing, I want to, well, I want to be like that. And I want, and when I finish, I want to, I want to be on that panel and I want to do that. And I want to be talking about the footy trips. And, and I think now it could, I could be wrong, but I almost think that the current playing group almost have a healthy disregard for the football establishment. And I, I, I do remember, I remember being interviewed by Caroline Wilson a few years ago and she said, how do the Bulldogs players feel about there being a, 
a women's team associated with the club. And the way she sort of framed the question was almost like that the players would have their nose out of joint. And I, I say, I don't mean to, I don't mean to laugh. I'm not taking this lightly, but it's just not how they feel. It, they're just not threatened. Now there might be the odd one that doesn't get it, and okay, well, whatever. But by and large, they want they they like going to the women's footy. They like celebrating it. They're not they're not threatened by it. It does feel women the women's footy element to to the bulldogs. It felt like it's like oh, without being a bit too wanky about it, it was like oh, now we're complete. Yeah, we're a family. Yeah, mm. like it's oh, we didn't even know it was didn't even know that was a missing piece mm. until it was there. Yeah. Um, so I, I think the changing masculinity in AFLM has been pretty sharp in the last few years, certainly in the leadership of the game. So player captains, player leadership groups, you know, people like Brendan Gale and Luke Beveridge and all, you know, you could rattle them all off. I think there's a, de- a definite change in what it means to be tough in footy. All that, you know, the w- words like vulnerability and authenticity, there's a battlefield for those two concepts. People inside footy now understand that vulnerability and authenticity is not to be soft. It's not to be accepting of lower standards. And no, 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 you dope. Because a lot of the football establishment, ah, it's everyone just, you, you can't take feedback anymore. It's like, no, you dope. It's not about that. It's so much stronger than white knuckling it and puffing the chest out and pretending to be, so no, no, it's not that. It's not that at all. It's like these, this is what I'm, these are my shortcomings. I need help. We're all in it together. Like, do you care about me? Because if you care about me, then I'll die for you. That's yeah. stronger. That's mm. just this whole thing of, oh, no, they just, you can't give feedback anymore. Bullshit. These players these days are women and men. They're tougher than they've ever been, braver than they've ever been. They're under more criticism, under more judgment. And it's constant. It's the dripping tap of being judged and watched and critiqued publicly, social media, it's everywhere. They can't escape it. Yeah, so don't give me this that footy's gone soft. It is the biggest, if my, if I may use some fruity language, that is a load of shit. Just thinking about that, have you also noticed a big change in the athleticism of the game since you've been out? Does it change that quickly? Yeah, it's kind of, when I watch footy now, I almost have to I say, oh, there's no, I, I know I did do that, but I didn't do that. Mm-hmm. These guys are they're they're pretty incredible. The demands on them, the speed of that game, it does feel like it ratchets up. And occasionally, I watch an old game of footy, you know, on one of those channels. And and a couple of times I've been playing in them, and I'm watching like that's a different sport. I mean, you married one of the most famous um, boundary riders of all time, Mr. Spotfires, Andy Marr. But I I had an illustrious boundary riding career of one game that's it must have been how bad I was but I did one game and I and it was a year after I'd finished but I was sort of sitting there with the microphone and the ball ran over the boundary line and the players like rushed up and I remember being like oh my god like it was only eight or nine months since I'd played and it was like have a look at these rhinoceroses mm. just even the little ones were big that's <laughs> the running of the balls yeah it was like oh okay all right once you sort of once you're done, it just becomes like another. It's like a bit. It's a bit of an alien world. How how fit and ferocious they are. I want to let you go because I know you've got boxes to pack. Um, but <laughs> can I stay? Can I stay? <laughs> you can't let Justine do it all. I'd <laughs> never let that happen to a yeah. sister. Cool. 
we, we've heard you talk a lot and I've got to say I really enjoy looking at all the book covers of uh, footballers who write books and I think your football book cover jacket is the only one with a footballer smiling. <laughs> Everyone else is looking like a Gillette man into it's like yeah. their big I'm ready for my close-up, Mr DeMille, yeah. except yours was just you goofing off again with a yeah. footy and a fur-lined jacket standing on the Western Oval, no doubt. But I wondered, when you were in school, were you always this Bob Murphy? Were you footies Bob Murphy or were you woke poet, musician, goofy Tim Rogers Bob Murphy or were you all of it? In some ways I was a jock at school, like I was, you know, just into the sport, but but I was always, like, I'd have little, always curious about the other worlds and I think that's probably the thing that's carried through is I love playing and I love being in that sporting world, but I kind of am most comfortable being... Uh, the the jock hanging out with the other crowd, that's more interesting to me. So it's a long time ago now, but never completely satisfied by just by that environment. I like I love footy clubs and I love teams and all that, but is that it? Oh no, come on! Like, what are they doing over here? And and what are they doing over there? And they go, oh, that, and that's similar to this world, but to get a bit to to round it out a bit more than just let's talk about how we exit stoppages and oh god. No, no, there's a bit more. There's a bit more out there than that, surely. Was there another career path as an option? <laughs> uh, so all my family are teachers and they all married teachers. So I think that was probably, <laughs> if it didn't, if it all went tits up, I that would have been where I, I would have gone, I think. But I think there was um, Ben Tune, who was a rugby union player. He came and spoke to the Bulldogs once and he said, look, this is advice I would never give to my child, but... I think there's something he said, for me, there was no plan B. And I was like, oh, that's me. I decided when I was seven, I'll be a league footballer. Now, that's, I look back on that and go, like, it's either really arrogant or it's just incredibly naive and overconfident. But I just set my mind to that and everything else was, there was nothing else. So it's, a, it's not, again, it's not, I would not, encourage that for my own children because the the chances of it happening are just so small but that was kind of it, it was there was no plan b it's a shame you would have been such a good teacher <laughs> oh mr murphy i haven't dog <laughs> homework i've got oh, my you... period i can't do swimming mr murphy <laughs> i think you would have handled oh, that beautifully i'd have been a soft touch um sure, well you'd love to meet my mum monica you, you'd get along well with my mum she was she was she's a teacher for her whole life she was she was a good teacher you would have liked her classes i think I think I definitely would. I know I'm going to let you go. I feel quite teary and I did happen to see you recently and to be able to to say goodbye to you and Mm. to have you guys going, I can't believe I'm actually crying. (laughs) I think it's just a state of where we're at in Victoria, but it already feels colder without you guys being here. Yeah, well, that means a lot, Em. Thank you. Um, It's, you know what, it's it's all kind of come up on a bit of a rush for us. this week, and you're making me a bit emotional now. But <laughs> it, it, I didn't think it would mean as much to us. But we, and this is, you know, people have got big, big problems, and there's, you know, all sorts of trauma out there. But we kind of, we, there's going to be a lot of people we don't get a goodbye to, and mm-hmm. I think that's hit us or hit me last night. I was like, oh god, this is, you know, it's a dislocation, you know. So I know we're doing it for the right reasons, and we're so excited, and it's a big family adventure, but. You know, I've been in Melbourne for 20 years and, um, you know, we've made some strong connections and one of those is with you guys. So mm. um, it is. It's traumatic times enough and then 
Well, we wish you the very best of luck. I know Trent Cooper is waiting with open arms to receive you. He's a listener of the podcast. Another school teacher. Another school teacher and a cracking bloke just like you. Bob, thank you so much for giving me some time while I know you've been escaping the packing. But (laughs) (laughs) thanks for giving me some time and for absorbing me sitting here crying my eyes out. But you should, I mean, you and I both know that my husband, I call him the cardboard man, he has very little (laughs) in his emotional toolkit. So I wear the emotions for the whole family. So these tears are from all five of us and probably from the whole of Victoria, to be honest. Well, thanks for having me on. It's a, it is a, it's an honour. It really is. You guys are doing some important, you know, really important work and and fighting the good fight, which I know you know, but um, it's always nice to hear it as well. So, um, plenty of good people in your corner. Keep it up, and we'll catch you along the trail, M, as they say in many a country song. <laughs> Bet they do. Finally, have you got a tip for the grand final? Is it cheeky oh, to ask? God. I've got this sick feeling it'll be a draw. <laughs> I think, I don't know. It would just be, a, I'm tipping the Bulldogs, but like not by much. I, I think both teams are, they're ripe. They're both, my, my rationale is that the, the Demons believe they can win and Luke Beveridge has got the Bulldogs hypnotised and I'm just wondering if hypnotism trumps belief I think it might so <laughs> it's going to be a tight one I think and you know both are both are up to their eyeballs in it well we'll find out soon enough yeah. thank you so much Bob thanks Em. Mm-hmm.